1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. There's no better way to escape the exhaustion of a long day than cozying up in your bed for a good night's sleep. But when you settle in and the sounds begin to seep in, it will be obvious you are not alone. Creatures, ghosts, and shadows emerge in the dark, and you'll be plagued by all the terrors that haunt the night. First, the mark of evil, followed by recurring nightly visits. Then, Mother Nature kills. Finally, in our featured story, Dying to Awake. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com slash snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see out free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, want to hear something scary? scary? Terrors haunt the night. When you do everything by the book and things still go wrong, there's nothing left to do but pray for divine intervention. Like in this story inspired by Cherie, based on a true story. My parents met as religious missionaries when they were young. They traveled the world spreading Christianity and helping build communities. In their experience, they'd seen everything from miracles to curses. They witnessed baptisms and exorcisms and believed that the veil between us and the spirit world was thin. My mother had a special sensitivity to what she called spiritual attacks. When an evil entity tries to force its way into our world, they do so by contacting a human, threatening until they give in. My parents were adamant that if I were to be contacted, I needed to use all my will to ward off the creature. I spent most of my life terrified that I would be approached. The beings can connect in a variety of ways. They can cause hallucinations, they can shape shift, or, like how they contact my mother, they can appear in your nightmares. And this was also how I had my first encounter. I was a freshman in college and my energy was all over the place. I hadn't made friends yet, my class schedule was brutal, and I was working full time to pay for it all. Mixed stress and the fact that I hadn't attended mass in several weeks, and you have a dangerous concoction. After a long shift at work, I came back to my apartment, fell into bed, and began to drift off, still in my work uniform. Within moments, I realized I was in a nightmare. I was in my room, looking at my sleeping form. From a dark corner through the shadows came the evil. It began to crawl up the walls like an insect, scurrying in sharp, arching waves up and down to the ceiling, its claws long black little points that curled softly near their tips. It came to a stop, hovering just above my sleeping body. I could do nothing but watch as its neck stretched out, putting its face right above mine. I wanted to reach out, to shake myself awake, but I couldn't move. I tried to open my mouth to scream, but my lips couldn't part. It felt like the harder I tried, the more silenced I became. The creature's jaw unhinged and in a scratched and human voice that was simultaneously thunderous and hushed, Masculine and feminine, indecipherable and crystal clear, it spoke. Let me in. Suddenly my lips opened and my body could move. It needed my response. I can't tell you where I got the courage, but I ran up to it and began screaming, trying to wedge myself between it and my sleeping body. I denied it entry over and over again. The being grew angry and threw my awake self against the wall. I watched the creature claw at my unconscious face. It was marking me. Then it vanished into the corner and into another realm. I ran up to my face and saw the claw mark on my forehead near my hairline. It was an upside-down crucifix. I shook my body and awoke in real life, shaking and sweating. It felt so real. I rushed to the bathroom and flipped on the light, and there it was. The mark on my skin. When my mother saw it, she wept. The mark is an open invitation to all evil to keep contacting me. I cut bangs to cover the scar. It hides my mark from people, but not from them. I've been approached almost every week by some force of evil for the last eight months. I am exhausted and tired of fighting but I get up every day and pray, light candles and say the rosary hoping that I'll have the courage to deny it entry one more time because if I give in I become the monster in my dreams and will spend eternity hunting for other souls thank you so much Cherie, for sharing your experience with us inspiring this story listener would you have the strength to fight off evil or would you eventually just give in? what else could you do to stop forces from making contact
0: angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well if you own a home you know how much work it can take
1: It's strange to feel afraid of what you can't remember, but that feeling of fear will stick in your memory forever. Like in this story, written by Janine Pipe. Lonnie stared at her bed. She was so exhausted, but she had no choice but to crawl into the space that should have given her a much needed night's rest. She could only hope that tonight she might finally be allowed to do just that but no such luck. At exactly 3.33 a.m., the same time as every single night for a month now, she awoke, screaming. For a few seconds, she was completely paralyzed with sheer terror, and then it would dissipate, just enough so she could turn on the light if she had been brave enough to turn it off in the first place and curl into a ball. The childish hope If you make yourself as small as possible, cover every inch in the blanket, then you might be safe, for now. As per usual, Lonnie couldn't remember what the nightmare had been about, only that it was so horrific, her mind had forced her to wake rather than carry on with whatever atrocity had been occurring. The one and only memory she had from recurring night terrors was a word, a name she presumed, Malin. As the light began to seep through the curtains, Lonnie finally felt safe to open her eyes. She was running on fumes, had fallen asleep in class a couple of times, which wasn't unheard of in college, but whilst others were out partying all night, she was being kept prisoner in her own bed, unable to get the rest her body desperately needed. She tried to sleep during the day and work through the night, but of course, that didn't particularly work with classes. In desperation, and in the vain hope that a change of scenery might help, since she had not been plagued by this affliction when she arrived at home, Lonnie drove back to her parents for a much-needed break. She feigned illness, seeking sleep, sympathy, and homemade chicken soup. Her parents were shocked at her gaunt appearance, the huge bags under her bloodshot eyes. Snuggling into her childhood bed, Lonnie fell asleep immediately. The dream felt familiar, predictable. It wasn't unexpected she'd be in her old high school since she was back home. She'd done well there, as had her parents before her, actual homecoming king and queen high school sweethearts. As she roamed the empty halls, another feeling kicked in. This was unsettling. Her heart rate seemed to speed up, yet she couldn't put a finger on the cause. And then she heard the voice. Melon! Lonnie fell to her knees. Never would she have imagined just a sound could cause that much pain, but her entire body was racked with agony. Melon! came the voice again, this time louder, and she wrapped her hands over her ears, tears of blood dripping down her face. Mel! Lonnie, wake up! Wait, that sounded like Lonnie! She bolted upright, struggling to breathe for a moment, confused and frightened. Where was she? Then she saw her mom, who looked almost as worried as she did, and her heart rate began to reduce. Her eyes darted to the clock. 3.32 a.m. Mom? I came in to check on you. You were whimpering. I wanted to make sure you didn't have a fever. Her mom frowned. You look awful, honey the dream, Lonnie managed before bursting into tears, crying in her mom's arms, when she told her mom about waking every night at 3:33 a.m. and only remembering the word Malin. Her mom's eyes widened and began to shake her head. "No," she gasped. "He can't be back." Clutching Lonnie, her mom told her that for years, She had been plagued by horrific dreams and nightly visits from a demon named Malin. She had never told a soul, not even Lonnie's dad who just thought her mom was dreaming about spiders. Everything had stopped abruptly when Lonnie was young and never returned. She'd never believed for a moment the nightmares were anything more than subconscious fears manifesting. But if Lonnie's mother had never spoken about it, how was the exact same entity now terrorizing her daughter. Something must have happened to make the dreams end, insisted Lonnie, desperate to know how to stop her own torture. Her mom's face fell. What was it? Lonnie demanded. Well, there was one thing, but I always just thought my actual grief had overridden anything my dreams could invent. You see, everything ended when your Mima passed. With that, the two women embraced, both sobbing, realizing the dilemma. Malin would continue to visit Lonnie until her mother died, and there was nothing they could think to do to end it. Thank you so much, Janine, for writing this story for us. What do you think was so terrible Lonnie couldn't remember it? Do you think there is a significance to 3.33 a.m. Do you know about angel numbers? When your final line of defense falls, you'll be left alone to face the horror. Like in this story written by Mike Lee. They can't hurt you, my dear, Grandma promised as she ran her bird-thin fingers through my hair. The pillow I rested on was still damp from a nightmare I couldn't remember and didn't dare to. I hadn't had a restful sleep in weeks. The branches from the witch elm rapped wrapped outside, its limbs drumming against the bedroom window. They were only dreams, my grandma reassured. She tucked her hand under my chin and brought my stare up to meet hers. From behind grandma... Illuminated on the bedroom wall, I could see them scraping across the surface. The fingers cutting their way across rose covered wallpaper, the moonlight hiding the claw marks and shadows. The cold sound of frosted glass and a thin, frozen pane is the only thing keeping the nightmares at bay. Grandma caught my eye. They're only branches, Sophie. It's the moon and the night playing tricks on you. She tried to reassure. Why did the moon play tricks? If the fingers of the witch tree were so big, then why couldn't they just come through the window and take me while I slept? Grandma huffed and said she wished my dad never told me the tree was a witch elm. Then she said I could sleep in her room, and in the morning she would cut the horrid branches off. As I left, I turned back and looked towards the window. The branches of the witch elm struck the glass with more fervor as a storm picked up. The next morning, I went to the kitchen and looked out the window. Now, the witch elm just looked like an ordinary tree. Grandma told me Dad was away till later, and we had the whole day to ourselves, but first, we would deal with the branches of that witch tree. Grandma went to fetch her gardening gloves. From my bedroom window, I watched her emerge with some large pruning shears and a stepladder. I waved as she studied the tree. She blew me a kiss and tossed it at the window. I pretended to catch it, holding it close to my chest like a cherished gift. I stepped back as the branches of the elm came alive against my window. Grandma scaled the first four steps. Grandma, no, I called. She didn't hear. She took the last step on the ladder, balancing herself. Opening the shears, she wrapped their rusted maw around the wrist of the branch. The fingers clamored erratically as she began to pierce the stubborn bark of the tree. The witch fingers stopped drumming. I looked out of the window as Grandma clutched her chest. Falling off the ladder to the foot of the witch elm, her eyes fixed blankly on the tangle of branches that strangled the sky. Dad came home early. A neighbor heard my cries and found Grandma, now still. Dad demanded to know what she was doing on those steps. The witch fingers, I cried. He snapped. It's not a witch tree. It's a witch elm. W-Y-C-H. Elm. My eyes welled with tears. My grandma was no longer there to stop them from reaching me. That night, I lay in the dark. I closed my eyes, trying desperately to sleep. Then, Sophie, dear, it's me, a familiar voice sang. Why don't you open your window and let grandma in? I stood barefoot, looking out. Grandma stood at the foot of the tree. A fresh grin cut across her face. I saw her mouth was full of sharpened twigs held with gums of a blackened moss. I screamed as the branches intertwined into curling fingers. My dad ran to me. He knelt down, meeting my terrified face. First thing tomorrow, he promised. He was taking that tree down. I nodded in agreement. My eyes still wide and fixed on the window. The branches teased me. My dad once again led me to bed. The sound of wind and rustling leaves filling a dreamless slumber. I woke in the morning to the sound of metal machinery. Startled, I ran to the window. My father stood with a chainsaw buzzing. He saw me and smiled. A feeling of dread hit the pit of my stomach. Dad stood prepared at the base of the tree. The branches of the elm began to beckon. The edges of the chainsaw bit into the tree's tuft. Again, I watched as the witch elm bled. A thin sap ran down the base onto the grass where grandma had fallen. Something was wrong. My father cut a wedge into the trunk, steadying the elm's eventual collapse. The saw spewed wood chips into the air. I lost sight of him in a cloud of smoke and shavings. I heard the chainsaw splutter and cough as it stuck the elm. My dad, tugging at the saw, lost his balance, falling into the same spot where Grandma had laid. I covered my ears as a neighbor screamed. The chainsaw. My dad. One awful sound felt its way into my head. The taps of the branches. They beckoned me. Thank you so much, Mike Lee, for writing this story for us. Have you ever come across a tree that is so haunting you fear it? How would you ultimately defeat the tree, and do you doubt that it would have tricks of its own to protect? You must be careful when letting down your guard. That is when you are most vulnerable. And when you're most vulnerable is when the monsters will strike. Yusuf had always been a restless sleeper, even as a baby. Now as a teenager, he couldn't remember the last time he slept through the night. The tossing and turning eventually grew to insomnia, and his mother decided to get him some help. The doctor's prescription would not only ensure Youssef fell asleep easily, but he'd be able to stay asleep and hopefully get the eight or so hours he needed. A literal dream come true as she would no longer be so concerned about the giant bags under his eyes or his constant fatigue. The night after they'd been to the doctor, around 10 p.m., Youssef swallowed his little green pill and within 15 minutes, his eyes grew heavy and his body let go of all tension. He climbed into bed, hopeful. His eyes closed, and he drifted away. After a time, he fell into the rim cycle and began to dream. He started seeing strange, dark images, an ominous shadow following as he walked. Tree limbs grabbed at him as he passed by, eerie noises fast on his heels, the makings of one of his normal nightmares. These scary scenes felt familiar to him, so he consciously told himself to wake up and pinched himself on the arm, which usually did the trick. But he was stuck. As he ran down a dark alley, his realization sent him into a full panic. He had to wake up. Right about now was usually when his eyes would typically open, his body jerking awake. But because of the medication, he couldn't. He was now trapped in this nightmarish purgatory. His heart raced as the shadowy creature crept behind him. As it emerged, Yusuf could see its bony skeletal appearance and his eyes bulged in fear. He knew right away it was a djinn. Remembering his baba telling him of the beast from Turkish folklore, the Zhen would sit on your arms and chest, covering your mouth, and would strangle you in your sleep. Murderous sleep paralysis. Yusuf reminded himself it was just a dream, as the skeletal monstrosity inched closer. A human skull rested on its neck, the mandible barely held together with no more than an inch of flesh and tendon. It had no eyes, yet it still held an unearthly glow in the pits of where they should have been, with twin black and yellow trails leaking out of the holes. He could read the hungry expression in its sockets as it looked directly at him. It reached out a bony finger to trail curiously down Yusef's plump cheek, its flesh burning cold to the touch. Yusuf's eyes darted around in a panic, but the situation was inescapable. He'd never gotten this far into the nightmare. Perhaps this was the reason for his insomnia, He looked down at his watch, which he prayed was showing the correct time. In reality, it read 6.59 a.m. Just as the creature grabbed Yusef, pulling him closer, Yusef's alarm went off. Thank heavens. He jolted awake in his bed, but he was struck with secondary terror. Despite being awake, he was unable to move any part of his head or body at all. Lying there, and dawned on him he was still in the clutches of the beast. And there it was, the djinn skeletal hand pinning his shoulder down. It leaned forward, just as Yusuf tried and failed to scream. It pressed into his throat with its bony hands, cutting off all air. Yusuf desperately wanted to claw at the beast to get away, but he was paralyzed. After minutes of excruciating pain, Yusuf's body surrendered. The djinn disappeared, leaving no trace. Another soul claimed. When Yusuf's mother opened the door to his room an hour later, she saw her son's lifeless body, his bloodshot eyes bulging open, frozen in place. The coroner would rule it an adverse reaction to the sleeping pills. But the truth is, if it weren't for the pill that kept Yusuf in a sleeping state— the djinn never would have had the opportunity to fully emerge and take his life. Rather than help Yusef, the sleeping aid had helped the djinn to its dark dealings. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Janine Pipe. Narration by Marquia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Executive producer, Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you'd like to support Something Scary and all the work we do, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. And if you have a story you'd like to submit send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start,